it's a brand new day lord friend and king so we worship you because you've given this unto us as a gift you've been faithful and many of us have not been so faithful or king of glory personally there are reasons my heavenly savior have kept going on with you is because your grace has been there for me there are times i get to examine myself and i'm like god why did you pick me and yet your grace has been there it wakes me up every morning and gives me the encouragement to keep moving and therefore here i am so i worship you my king of glory we pray that your faithfulness shall continue cleansing us and encouraging us to wake up even when we fall to rise again in the mighty name of the lord jesus christ we pray that we shall be that centerpiece in our living room we shall be that centerpiece in our lives you shall be our focus in everything that we do king and lord of majesty in our lives be the center be at the center king we pray that this shall be the power that drives us in the mighty name of the lord jesus christ we have prayed and believed amen 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 a blessed wonderful day friend and uh, my name is uh, your friend and uh, servant Reverend david kagwa that is reaching you with uh, the word of christ and uh, to you the church of christ wherever you may be a blessed 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 day that god has given unto us a day to ponder upon his grace lately i've been thinking a lot about his grace and seeing how sometimes we fell short of his glory but yet he continues to say come on son come on daughter i want to be with you friend if your heart is for the lord even if you blunder like david did and yet your heart is entirely focused on the lord please um arise again keep walking you're not john walker but keep walking keep walking and let the lord keep propelling you forward as long as he's uh, the center of your focus fixing our eyes on him uh, who is uh, the initiator and perfecter of our faith we know that we shall surely make it this morning i'm reminded of um those hearts that we had in our villages now for some of you that don't have villages <laughs> this may be hard for you to understand but basically for some of us that uh, had villages you went to the village and uh, besides uh, Jaja's main house are uh, their uncles that have built up these huts and uh, the technology behind these huts was such that they were hinged on one central pillar they were hinged on one central pillar there was a central pillar uh, onto which there were uh, buttresses that were flowing to the sides and uh, on, to the sides there was a round um, confluence of um, you know other other trusses that were put around there and then there were other poles that eventually formed a circumference, a circumference around um, the central pillar that was eventually filled with uh, mud and water and basically you had a house standing but if you wanted something wrong to happen to that house you didn't have to do much you simply have to go to the central pillar remove it and uh, you would have your entire heart come down tumbling friend that lies at the center of the heart i want to ask you this morning what lies at your center what lies at your center for some of us the center of our lives your centerpiece is money if something wrong happens to your finances then you're basically crumbling like a pack of cards for some of us it is our spouses or girlfriends or boyfriends if anything happens to them then you feel like your world is crumbling you know those warm tingly butterfly-like feelings that we get when we think about our loved ones when something wrong happens to them are you coming down tumbling with them 
for some of us it's the successes that we've made in life what lies at your center that is the question that we have to answer this morning what lies at your center is your center christ is your center the lord when something is happening i'm not speaking of perfection because our perfection is christ himself i've tried to be perfect in my work but friend i want to tell you um every time i've tried on my own i've failed and even when i hide in christ yeah and i'm built on nothing less but him i have the confidence once again even in my shortcomings i'm able to look back and say lord you've done it once again what lies at your center friends that is what we want to look at today yeah the question is what lies at the center or simply god as the centerpiece god as the centerpiece we are still doing our studies in the book of uh, first kings and this morning we come to chapter 7 of kings and that is where we are and friends it is a long chapter that has about uh, 51 verses i want to promise you i'm not going to be able to read all the verses and yet uh, i shall be able to do uh, the, the entire chapter in terms of exposition and what lies in there i'll read a couple of verses in the beginning and then i'll be reading verses as uh, uh, we explain them by the power of the spirit of the lord uh, but before we do that, friend, let us pray. Father, uh, we want to pray that you continue being at the center of our lives. Continue being at the center, King. That is our prayer. In a specific way, I'm reminded, uh, Lord, that when we walk away from you, things begin falling apart. I'm reminded of a brother this morning or a sister. My heart reaches out unto them that feel like their world is crumbling. My prayer is that they shall refocus on you. Their world is crumbling because of sin. Their world is crumbling because of a missed target. Their world is crumbling because of lost success or things of that nature. My prayer is that we shall reach out unto them in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. You realize that today I've prayed twice. There's a reason as to why that is happening. We really want to be uh, people that shall have Christ at the center of our lives. Um, yes, First uh, Kings chapter 7 is where we are at. And uh, let me just read a couple of verses and then we shall cruise all the way with the message that the Lord has uh, for us today. Today I'm using the CSB. Uh, some of you may not have got, um, you know, those kind of versions, but it's really a good version. It's the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, it's the Christian Standard Bible. Sometimes I use that for my studies. Uh, it says in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 7, Solomon completed his entire palace complex after 13 years of construction. He built the house of the forest of Lebanon, it was 150 feet long, uh, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high on four rows of uh, cedar pillars with cedar beams on top of the pillars. It was paneled up with cedar at the top of the chambers that rested on 45 pillars, 15 per row. There were three rows of uh, window frames facing each other in three tires. All the doors and door posts had rectangular frames, the opening uh, facing each other in three tires. He made the wall of pillars at 75 feet long and 45 feet wide. A portico was in front of the pillars and a canopy uh, with pillars was in front of them. He made the wall of the throne where he would judge. The hall of judgment, it was paneled with cedar from the floor to the rafters solomon's own palace where he would live in the other courtyard behind the hall 
was a similar construction. He made a house uh, like this hall of Pharaoh's daughter, his wife. All these buildings were of costly stones, cut to size and uh, sold with saws on the inner and outer uh, surfaces uh, from the foundation to coping and from the outside to the great courtyard. The foundation was made of large costly stones, 12 and 15 feet long above were also costly stones cut to size as well as cedar wood around the great courtyard as well as the inner courtyard of the lord's temple and the portico of the temple uh, were three rows of dress stones and row of trimmed cedar beams king solomon and hiram are uh, brought from tyre he was a widow's son from the tribe of naphtali and his father was a man of tyre a bronze craftsman Hiram had great skill, understanding, and knowledge uh, to do every kind of bronze work. So he was the he was to King Solomon. So he came to King Solomon and carried out all his work. Friends, today I'm beaming with joy that flows from nowhere else but from uh, an encounter with the grace of the Lord. There are times we are walking in our lives and we don't walk so well and you take time to basically seek the Lord and what he does is he basically comes and extravagantly bestows his grace upon you. Now, nothing comes better than that in life. Nothing comes better than that. Our very best days will not be the days that we get our Oprah award or um, your first million dollar, but there will be days when you come face to face with the grace of God and realize it for what it is, the grace. I want to tell you that will be your very best day in your life. Now, friends, the statements that we've just read here from the holy pages of Scripture are statements that um, basically uh, get to manifest um, exquisite uh, ma magnificence here in the construction and um, um, engineering of the work that Solomon did, especially when it comes to the construction of his house or palace. And so to say, now there is something that I want us to um, initially get to realize. If you ever get an opportunity, um, or if you have the CSB or the Christian Standard Bible, it's not hard to get them. You're going to see a cross section um, of um, at the Temple of Solomon, and you get the markings complete in the CSB. I basically use the AN, the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, and uh, the C. SB. The difference is that the CSB brings a contemporary touch to things. And when they give you your pictures, they, they kind of draw them in 3D. And the, the NASB will give you those detailed explanations and uh, black and white pictures. So uh, that is the difference. And, and, and you're going to, to see what I mean here. Now, when you come to our first verse in First Kings chapter 7 today, what you realize is that Solomon completes uh, the construction of his palace in a record 13 years and when it comes to the construction of the temple he basically did it in about uh, seven years you, you you see that so you get to ask the question what was more important of course given the elaborate design of um, solomon's palace including um courts co co um, judgment court courtrooms and uh, his wife's house and uh, storerooms and many other things, you could justify and say maybe it needed more time. 
But the question that comes in is, what could have needed more time or what could have been uh, more elegant? Where would the elegance have been? Should it have been the temple or the palace of Solomon? And friends, you're going to find that Solomon in uh, ways more than one is a description of who we are. Oftentimes, he's going to be a description of who we are. Uh, basically, that is what we want to look at. Who lies at the center of your life or what lies at the center of your life? Let us just back up a little bit and go to First uh, Kings chapter 6 and basically look at uh, the construction of the temple. Look at what he says in First uh, Kings chapter 6 verse 1. He says Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in the 480th year after the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of his reign over Israel in the fourth month of Zephu. Let me skip to verse 2. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 was ninety feet long, and 30 feet wide, and uh, 45 feet high. Now let us compare that with the palace and see what he says in chapter 7 here. He says it was 100 feet long, 70 feet high, eh? Uh, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high on four rows. Then we go back to the temple. I want you to note something. There is something that the Spirit of God is building here. The temple was, uh, in First Kings chapter 6, verse 2, it was the temple of um, that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long. Now let me show you how long the palace was. The palace was, it was 130. 150 feet long. <laughs> Are we hearing that? The temple was only uh, 90 feet long. Uh huh. You, you see that? When you go back to the temple and you look, what does it say? It was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide. 30 feet wide. Uh huh. And here it says uh, it, it was 150 feet long, 75 feet wide. The temple is only 30 feet wide and 40. Um, the palace is uh, 45 feet high on four rows. And look at how high uh, the temple was. The temple was um, 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 was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Only 45 feet high. And, and I think it was three rows, but this one is 45 feet high on four rows. Friends, what I'm, the point I'm making here is, basically, if you're taking 30, 13 years uh, to construct your palace and only seven years to construct the temple, and uh, uh, your palace is um, uh, your palace is one, 100 and, um, 150 feet long, and yet the temple is only 90 feet long, 75 feet wide, and the temple is only 30 feet wide, you get to see that there was a magnificence and a splendor upon the palace of Solomon that kind of belittled the temple. Now, we don't often hear these kind of comparisons, but the Spirit of God somehow brought it, and uh, I thought it was pertinent that we get to look at this kind of thing. Now, you get to ask, where was Solomon's heart? Is it surprising later, a few chapters, as we shall see in First Kings chapter 11, that is, heart will eventually move away from the Lord and kind of focus on his wives and the gods of his wives. Is it that surprising? Friends, I want us to realize what is happening here. 
as a matter of fact, I should zero it in on this and kind of do two teachings out of this chapter so we can get to the depth of uh, this matter. Are you seeing that? Now you could say the design of the temple was given to Solomon by David and David had gotten the design somehow from, you know, the measurements that had been handed down to um, Moses that it was a, a, a divine design and therefore he did not have to um, depart from it. But the question is, yes, did the temple or did the palace have to be better than the temple in one way or the other? In our recent teaching, we say that the temple is where God dwelt or in the midst of his people. It was a um, originally from the tabernacle. It is where God tabernacled in the midst of his people. So it should have had much more magnificence. Of course, it is one of um, the greatest buildings of um, the ancient world. But here, the point that we are making is that basically you get to see that Solomon, in one way or the other, had more focus on his palace than he did for the temple. Of course, we agree the temple was um, magnificent. Yes, we do. But there's a point that we are making here. It would also be said that in the palace, he didn't just put up... Um, he didn't just put up basically his bedrooms and basically his private residence. There were also throne rooms. Yes, uh, to that I agree. But there was also in uh, his palace complex um, an addition of his wife from Pharaoh, his wife's house, the one that he got from Pharaoh. So you get to see all these sort of things. And uh, you get to see that in one way or the other, maybe this could justify later what happened when uh, Solomon was um, departing from the Lord, in, in a sense, because theologically that is not possible uh, by faith. You don't actually lose your faith if you're a believer. But we get to see his misappropriated priorities. Friends, there's a sense in which we get to believe to God in the way that we do things. How many of us have gotten prayer rooms in our houses? And even when we get prayer rooms and we have them, for the few people that challenge us that have prayer rooms in their houses, when you get to see them, they are not as magnificent as their bedrooms. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Maybe here I'm being too analytical but friends if god lies at the center of our lives then it should be evident it should tell if 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 i'm a believer then somehow my house should be able to have a prayer room and if it has a prayer room how magnificent is it compared to my dining room to my sitting room to my bedroom now there's a sense in which we could also say that yes if i love the lord then i really love him and it shouldn't just be about the size of prayer room that i have in my house and also not having a prayer room may not exactly be a justification for the fact that I don't love the Lord. Yes, there's that argument and it is potent in one sense or the other. But we say there is this, um, you know, a perspective in which this speaks of our relationship with the Lord. Friends, what lies at the center? If God lies at the center of your life, is it evident? Are we able to see this? If you're going to get a personalized number plate, would it be Psalm 23? Would, would it be Boaz? In the Bible, which means um, he, in him is strength, would it be jacking like we are going to see, uh, which means he establishes, yeah, would it be Psalm 91, would it be, and if we put Psalm 91, is he basically at the center? What lies at the center of our lives? Or who lies at the center of our lives? There's a sense in which our wives are going to be at the center of our, life, our, 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 our lives, and you tell her, you know what, you're my life, I live for you. 
you've had these musicians do uh, songs and they are basically talking about things and they are singing about women and they are saying you're my everything you're my hero you, you, you see he cannot be my hero my wife cannot be my hero no way hmm? there is absolutely no way that that is going to be possible hmm? my mother cannot be my hero no that is impossible papa nanga ilombete she can, my father cannot be my 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 hero you see jesus even when this were important is meant to sit at the center friend if a fire came and caught your house and you lost your everything would you have lost everything is even christ burnt up in 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 that house i know it is understandable humanly speaking to kind of um to to, to kind of feel like you you have lost everything and therefore you're sunken in your emotions it is possible but we are saying once you have christ you basically have everything you basically have everything even if you've lost everything seemingly but you basically have everything said matthew writes in uh, matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 and he teaches and he says do not store up uh, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and uh, where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also you're hearing that friends if our treasure is christ jesus it is going to be evident you go to people's houses and see uh, the sort of um motors that uh, we have in our houses each dog has its own day uh, you know they're going to say um work hard be successful those are motors that they have in there you know it, on top of the ladder it's not easy they're going to tell you those kind of things i've worked hard to get to where i am yes you may have worked hard but does that mean that you're working harder than the men that are carrying heavy loads down in the parks and the central business district of kampala you know it is the lord that basically has gotten to be at the center of our lives friends there are times that uh, i ponder upon uh, the lord and i look at david and i look at men like saul do you know why david god says that david had a heart like his own you know do you know why david did terrible things before the lord and he ended up getting forgiven essentially because his heart was sold out to christ he was sold out to christ in first samuel chapter 13 verse 14 and the lord speaks and he says he has found a man that is after his own heart even when david went ahead to um kill uriah and take his wife in the name of Bathsheba, and that was a terrible thing i'm not condoning it in any way but you can see the difference between david and saul saul does not kill a man we don't see saul taking someone's wife but yet god rejects saul uh, and um loves david you see that we see saul a commission on a military escapade to go and kill every amalekite and he comes back with bulls and, and sheep that he wanted to sacrifice unto the lord we see the lord rejecting that in chapter 15 from verse 19 to 23 he says that you know what i delight in obedience more than sacrifice but we see david crumbling before the lord in psalm 51 and he says cast me not away from your presence lord and don't take your holy spirit away from me not that it was a possibility but he basically was saying you know what and actually there are days that could have been a possibility in a sense but when a believer comes to god they don't lose their faith ideally they don't if they are genuine believers uh, you, you see 
So David basically shows you that every moment I need you, I live for you. Basically, that is what it's that is what it is. That is what it is. And friends, I know I've done quite uh, some time there. I've taken quite some time on that point, and I want us to move a little bit and go uh, right on. When you look at uh, the complex that Solomon put up, it is amazing. You get to see that in there, um, in verse seven, he made the hall of the throne where he would judge the hall of judgment. It was paneled with cedar and so on and so forth. Next, uh, he says also that um, um, uh, in, in Solomon's own palace where he would live, there was a palace in there. There was a hall of judgment yeah, in the other courtyard, you see, and he also made a house for Pharaoh's daughter. I want us to focus on those three things. You know, the Bible is very deep. We can't just do it uh, just haphazardly and we run. I'm sure I'll be cutting this message short and we shall continue building on uh, even in the subsequent teachings. I want you to look at what the writer is portraying here. One, there's a hall of judgment. As a matter of fact, uh, the CSB interprets it as a throne room. A two, there was his personal residence. In three, there was also a residence or a house for his wife, uh, Pharaoh's daughter. I want us to look at those three things. The Hall of Judgment, in one way or the other, portrays Solomon as a type of Christ. I want you to remember that when Solomon assumed the throne, he didn't just assume it on his own, but basically it was in line with the promise that God had made to David in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verse 12 to 16. God said that um, Solomon would come and assume this, but in that particular scripture, God said that he had made a covenant with David and that they would not, um, that he would not lack a son that would sit on the throne of Israel. In a sense, we said that as messianic intonations. Why? Because eventually, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, we realize that eventually Jesus Christ comes to assume the throne of David as the son of David which means that prophetically speaking after david when solomon comes in he is on a long mission of um, uh, providing a, a leadership that shall lead to uh, christ of course we know that solomon in many ways failed in this regard and that is what god is showing you yeah in the magnificence of his palace a torrential a, a, a palace and his setup um, there were marks of failure, and therefore we see Christ that comes to assume both the throne of our hearts and also the divine throne, but with an intention of um, um, salvation. You see that? In the midst of his establishment, this is basically the message that the Lord is communicating unto us. When we come and to the best of our effort, we are setting up our world around us. Even when we forget about God, there are these messianic intonations around us. If we lift up our eyes and look at the throne room of heaven, where we can basically have our salvation come from. The psalmist wrote and said, I lift up my eyes and to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Yeah, it is you know, in one way or the other, pointing to the Lord, to Zion, where the, the hills were, the hills of salvation were. That is what he's pointing to there. So, friends, you realize that. In a sense, God shows you that Solomon failed in that way, but he, he had um, um, 
a messianic intonation is in, in 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 his reign and we can see that even as he fails as a rich and wise king eventually we are going to be redeemed by the wisest and the wealthiest of kings and his name is the lord jesus christ that is what he's pointing to he had his personal palace in there but the interesting bit is the fact that he also was able to construct a palace for his wife pharaoh's daughter now um the bible teaches in isaiah chapter uh, 31 32 that um um curse is he who goes to egypt for help and god cautions the leaders of israel and he says that they should never take back uh, their people to egypt never and that is written in deuteronomy chapter uh, 17 from verse 14 onwards he cautions them that is one of the cautions that he gives against the king uh doing but one thing that is amazing here is that even when he sets up a throne room in his um, palatial um, complex, he's also setting up um, a palace for his wife, the Pharaoh's daughter. Now we know that in the ancient world, in uh, um, their in international relations, uh, kings were able to forge alliances, political alliances, uh, through these kind of marriages. But historians tell us that um, the Egyptian pharaohs were the last of people to give out their daughters in this kind of alliances. They were the last to do that. The, the mere fact that this kind of alliance was able to be forged by Solomon shows you how importantly he counted on it. Now, in a sense, you realize that Solomon was not entirely um, counting on the Lord to see him through his leadership, even when he had earlier on prayed for even when he had earlier on uh, prayed for um uh, prayed for a uh, wisdom in leadership you get to see that somehow he counted on uh, the pharaohs of egypt to be able to buttress him in this kind of leadership all in all you get to see that there were very strong cracks in the foundations of his um solomon's leadership in a sense when he did not count on the lord in one way or the other and this oftentimes happens with us when you go to must be a second chronicles in chapter 8 uh, verse 11 you realize that what solomon actually does is he says that uh, let me construct a house for my wife and just get her away from uh, these holy places where the ark of the covenant was why because they are holy places so you see he knows what he's doing is wrong and uh, by constructing a house for his wife or a palace for his wife uh he's basically hiding his sin as if he can successfully do that away from the Lord. So you get to see that he knew that what he was doing was wrong, but was doing it anyway. Friends, there is a sense in which oftentimes the Lord is not totally at the center of our lives. There is a life, uh, the, a time that, um, you know, I was doing things and hiding them away from the Lord, as if anyone can be able to do that. When I walked in habits, you see, that, that, that kind of thing. What lies at your center? What is driving you? There are people that break down when things happen in their lives and you're like, if God is at the center of our lives, why must we be breaking down because we've lost money? What, why must we be breaking down because something has gone wrong with, with my girlfriend, with my wife, with my child? Yes, it is understandable as a person, but we are saying when we um, fall, our souls are not meant to sink they are not meant to sink. We, we are not totally losing it by losing uh, certain things in our lives. 
I think this is what the psalmist writes in Psalm 42, and uh, he's wondering at why his soul uh, should I ideally be sunken within him. It is a psalm of uh, the sons of Korah, and he says, as the deer pants for the uh, streams of water, so my soul pants, uh, pants for you, depending on the version you're using, King James says, panteth for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go to meet God? My tears have been my, my fault day and night. Yeah. And then he gets to a point. I think I love verse 5. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of, the, of Hamon, from Mount Mizar, deep coast to deep, in the row of your waterfalls. He says that even when you're, in a sense, downcast, your soul should not entirely lose it. Why? Because you have a steadfast hope, a steadfast hope that is not waning, that is not going to change. He speaks in uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, he speaks, I think, verse 24 of the two foundations. And he says, the wise man built his foundation on the rock. And when the storm came and shook his house, he stayed firm. And the foolish man built his foundation on the sand. And when um, the, the storms came, it basically um, shook up the house and it fell. And it fell with a great thud. So that, that is the thing that we are speaking about here. And friends, I don't think I'm really going to be able to go beyond that. I won't be able to go beyond that today. We are going to um, leave it at that particular point. What lies at the center of your life when Christ um, lies at the center of our lives and we have him as our foundation? Friends, you're going to be shaken. Yes, those days are going to come. We shall have challenges, but basically what God does is he's going to keep us standing I told you at one point that when you switch your phone on and off, it's basically going to tell you what operating system it is using, powered by Android, powered by iOS. When they switch you on and off in the spirit, what is your operating system going to be? Is it going to say powered by Jesse or Jesus Christ? Or it is going to say uh, powered by the desires of this world, powered by Juliet, Lydia, yeah? There is a way that we yearn for our girlfriends and we feel like we are dying if we are not there. Is it going to say powered by, Lee, uh, by, by Moses, by David, by Stephen? Is it going to say, what is it that your operating system in your heart of hearts, in the privacy of your comforts, what is it going to read? What is it that powers you? Powered by corruption, powered by deals at work. Is it going to read that? Powered by promotion. You're doing everything to see that you get that promotion. And I'm not saying these are entirely bad things. I'm not saying they're entirely bad, especially if you do them and you pursue them with the guidance of the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah? Powered by PhD. Very soon I'll be starting my PhD studies. <laughs> yeah? But the point that we are making here is, we are saying, are, are you going to be driven by your PhD? Are you going to be driven by your achievement, by your promotion at work? Are you going to be driven by that? That is our prayer today. My friend, let Jesus come and be at the center of your heart and reign. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the foundation, the true rock um, that we can be premised upon and we know we are going to be sorted. What powers you? People that are powered by other things are going to be basically encapsulated and permeated by, you know, worries and um anxieties all the time when that particular thing 
gives way. You're going to be filled with anxieties and, you know, hypertension. We've seen people that have ended up committing suicide. I've known of successful uh, career people that have ended up taking their lives simply because they felt like their world was crumbling. Because they put their trust in something. Friend, what is it that is discouraging you today? I just want us to pray together. Even as we get back to the foundation, Christ Jesus, and we tell him that we are coming back. Solomon seemed to love the Lord, but there were, you know, points of suspicion uh, in the way that he did his things, just like we've seen. May you surrender to the Lord today. There are times I'm sunken when things are not going well, when I have a target that I've not met, when I have a goal, when things are not moving well, when I'm cheated, you know, in private investments, the few that we are trying to put up. But then when you remember that Jesus stands above all these things, you wake up again and you keep walking. And friends, life moves on. And before you know it, the Lord has done something new that is even much more better than the thing that you thought you had lost. What is it that is uh, troubling you right now? Let Jesus be at the center. Father, we pray and purpose to have you at the center in our lives, O King of Glory. This is our prayer. This is our prayer in um, our lives today. I pray for my brother, my sister today, that is disjointed in one way or the other, is worried, is concerned, has had something else as the point of their focus. May you redeem us even today and bring us back unto who you are. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed and believed. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, my friend.